Well, hello again. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's good to see you all. We're going to just jump right into to, to our series. We've been... Um, We've been in the book of Hebrews the, the last number of, of weeks, and we're going to continue in that. This series, uh, I, I intentionally have given up telling you ahead of time how many weeks a series is going to be when we do Bible studies, uh, because it just never works out <laughs> the way I, I think I can cover more ground than you get into it, and you know, it's like, it's like anybody ever bought like a, a, you know, one of those put-together desks? And he's like, oh, or a kid's big, one of those big kids' dollhouses, and you're like, oh, that'll take me an hour, no big deal. And then three days later, it's still all over your living room. It's kind of what the Book of Hebrews is, um, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna soldier on. It's a, it's a good thing, though. Unlike unlike uh, putting together a desk, this is this is something that that can be enjoyable process as we dig out this this tree. Um, last week we, we were in chapter uh, three. We we talked a lot about the the author talked a lot about obedience. Um, how and he used the nation of Israel to highlight the importance of obedience. How how God connects our obedience with this this idea this concept called rest. Um. This week, our text takes us a little bit deeper into this, this idea of, of, of God's rest. We're going to look a little bit at what, what it is. We're going to see a little bit of what it's not, that maybe we get it confused with other things. And most importantly to us, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about how, how do we get it. Right? This is, this is uh, something I think we all, our ears perk up when we talk about rest, the idea of rest. You know, how, how, how many times this week did, did that thought, that phrase come across your mind? Man, I need a rest. I need some, some rest. There, there's lots of different types of, of rest. And so this week we're, we're going to, of course, focus on, on what godly rest is because it's, it's different than, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's different than just the rest that the world is seeking. And we'll look at some of those differences. Um, the good news that we're going to be in chapter four, the good news of chapter four of Hebrews is that Jesus makes rest available to us now. I don't want to bury the lead. That's, that's just FYI, spoiler alert. That's where we're heading. Jesus makes rest available to us right now. Remember I said last week, I said the word today, probably 60 times because over and over and over and over again in chapter three, we see this idea of, of, Today, today is the day to obey, and 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 this this book in general has a very present urgency about it, and so we're going to see that again a, a little bit today. Um, but let's just uh, pray, invite the Lord, and then we're just going to jump, and we got to we're going to actually read a lot of text today um, because well, it's scripture and it's good for us. So, um, Jesus, we we thank you, we love you, we we acknowledge your presence, God, we thank you. Um, that you have, you have made yourself known already in our time together. God, we ask that you would speak clearly through your word to our hearts, um, individually like only your spirit can. 
God, would you, you tease out of your, your scripture the, the, the words, the direction, the encouragement, the admonishment that, that we need to hear from you today. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Hebrews uh, chapter 4. Um, and we'll just jump right in. Starting in verse 1 says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Now, that, that starts out, that's a, that's a loaded verse, right? There, there, it starts out kind of this, this, we should tremble in fear. This is a grand idea. And, and it's kind of this, this whole chapter you'll see, there's this tension between really, really, really encouraging stuff and, and, and cringy kind of scary stuff and how they're, they're combined. And I think that's, that's, that's the way things are. The better something is, um, the more we care about it, the bigger, the bigger the, the threat or the, the bigger the, the, I don't want to say the gamble, but our, our investment is the more vulnerable we feel, the higher the stakes, right? And so we're talking about this idea of, of God's rest. It's this amazing thing. And so our, it, our view of it should be, what the author's kind of saying here is our view of this thing should be so high that we understand how great this idea of, of, of the rest that God wants to give us, it's so valuable that we are, we are terrified to miss out on it, Right? That, that's different than being just afraid of, of messing up. Have anybody experienced something like that where there's something just so, so, you probably experienced this maybe at the beginning of the, 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 the pandemic when things started getting really serious and things started shutting down and maybe you had something, um, something like a vacation coming up, right? And, and you see things shutting down and you were like, Oh no, oh no. And you, you start getting afraid that I'm going to miss out on this thing. That's what the author is talking about. We, we should put such a high value, understand how good God's rest is, that, that we are literally afraid to miss it. Verse 2, For this good news that God prepared that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only, the, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We talked a lot about that last week, this this phrase, this, this reference, it's an Old Testament reference, um, we, we, you can go, I don't have time to go back into it, but you can check out last week's message to understand that a, l- a little deeper. Uh, verse 4 says, we know it is ready because the place in, in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day, and it quotes from the Old Testament, it says, on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Okay, so that's a lot of, it's a lot of text. Um, But, but he's really making one kind of one simple point. He's just doing it 
very elaborately. Um, he's showing us that our lack of rest is our fault. <laughs> Basically, he took a, took a, what was that, six, five verses to, to, to lay out the case that, that we are not, we are not in a position of rest. Many of us are not in a position of rest, but it is our fault. Um, the writer reference, and he does this by, by citing two kind of Old Testament things. Um, one, he, he talks about us as, as a group, as humanity, why we are not at rest. And then he kind of goes to, um, he uses the nation of Israel to talk about how our own individual actions have caused this, this lack of rest. He says that um, in verse, uh, I think it's three, he says, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Listen, the creation, we can go all the way back to Genesis, the, the creation story, God created man and woman to be at rest. The system he created was, was one of, of rest and, 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 and prosperity. Um, and then we experience, we see, we read the fall. And, and when the fall happened, we all fell, right? And so we have this, this lack of rest that exists because of what happened in the garden. It's the kind of global lack of rest that we all experience. The writer also refers to Israel's specific failure to enter the, the rest he planned for them. So we have the original garden, right? And there's a fall and there's a divorce. And so then God creates the sacrificial system. And we have, you know, Abraham and, and, all the, and Moses. And God reunites and chooses Israel to, to, to bring them to rest, right? He, he wants to lead them into the promised land. It's, it's, you know, my plan for rest for people take two. But yet Israel fails to enter because, and it's, it's very clear, he says plan, he planned it for them, but they refused to take the promised land. They disobeyed. They refused to go along with the plan of rest. Now this, this kind of gives us a, a it, it's kind of a backwards way of, of giving us good news, but, but these two, two truths are, can be encouraging. The fact that God created the world to be at rest and we are, we are the ones that keep messing it up teaches us something about God's idea of rest. And it's simply this. One thing is clear. God wants us to live a life at rest. That is his plan for you. That is his plan for me. That is his plan for humanity. How encouraging, encouraging is that? That God's plan is one of, of rest. And even though Adam and Eve messed it up, even though Israel failed to enter in, God is so committed to us that he continues to make a way for us to enter his rest. He is, he is um, more than any human you've ever met. God is stubborn. We don't typically use that word in, in a positive light, but, but you, you know, you think you're stubborn. You ain't got nothing on God. He, he will continue to pursue what he wants to have happen until it happens. Period. Like worse than my kids when they get it in their mind to go somewhere. Won't go into all that, but you, if you have children, you understand. Everything in life becomes a, 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 an avenue to get you to go to the park if that's what's in their head, right? Everything you want them to do, guys, it's time, you haven't eaten in like six hours, it's time to eat. Okay, uh, how about we eat at the park? 
right? You had this, I, nothing in the house will work. I have to eat it at the park. It's all this um, dirty tricks and emotional extortion. That's, that's the way kids roll. Um, God, is, God is stubborn like that. And, and he is intent and passionate about providing us a way to enter this rest that he is intent on us having. And we see that, and, and he continues this, this, this take three now of us being able to enter rest in verse 7. It says, so God set another time, this would be take three, for entering his rest. At that, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. So what makes today today? What was this third attempt at getting, getting us into this place of rest? Well, what rest did David talk about? It's the same answer as the rest of the book. It's Jesus. David, the Psalms are full. He's referencing the many Psalms where David writes Psalms of Messianic prophecy, where he's talking about the king that is to come. He's talking about Jesus. And Jesus himself explains this in Matthew 11, verse 27. He says, My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Today we have access to a better rest because of Jesus. But we have to understand what that rest is. Sometimes we, we struggle with this, this idea because at the end of the day, we're, we're chasing the wrong thing. We're calling it rest, but it's not really. It's at least not godly rest. So what is godly rest? Well, it, 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 maybe let's start with two things that it is not. That the world would include as almost non-negotiables in their understanding of, of the idea of rest. And the first one is inactivity. Rest is not the same as inactivity. You know, we have this, this idea, um, you know, what would be the ultimate, ultimate retirement or ultimate rest. You know, win $10 million and live on a beach somewhere and have servants to just bring you stuff and you can just sit, sit on the, the beach 24 hours a day and, and just do nothing all the time, right? It's even our idea of heaven. We're going to die and go and sit on a cloud and maybe sing some tunes and just float around for all eternity. You know, this is not godly rest. This is not what is described. Rest is not about being inactive. Rest is also not about self-sufficiency. This is the other, the other thing that we, we, we have this tendency to, to, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, believe about to truly be at rest, I have to be self-sufficient. Because anxi- we get anxious and we get worrisome and we get, get all bent out of shape and verklempt if, if, if we're dependent upon anything outside ourselves, right? 
That's why in most of our versions of, 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 of an ideal life, it, it includes this, this idea that, you know, I have all of the money I'll ever need. I don't need to depend on any, anything or anyone else. I know I have the security of knowing I can provide for myself. But that's not godly rest. Godly rest is not, is not uh, getting to the status of self-sufficiency. So what is this godly rest? It's, it's, the opposite of that, and then some other things, actually. Godly rest is living a life with security, but not independence. Godly rest is, is living a life free from shame. Godly rest is about having enough and being confident that there's a source greater than you that will provide it. Godly rest is about living a life with purpose and significance. This is, this is where we come at odds with this idea of inactivity. Nowhere in scripture does it talk about, you know, when we talk, when it, when we talk about heaven and, and eternity, the description, if you actually, if we read and dig into it, it talks about us ruling and reigning. There will be purpose. We will not be inactive. Listen, your last 30 years on this earth, God's plan for you is not to just sit and do nothing productive. Our goal should not, and I'm not saying that there's not, it's not important to have downtime. That's, please hear me. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we should, should overwork ourselves. What I am saying is we can be at rest and still be busy. Those two things don't have to be, as long as they're in balance, they don't have to be, um, they're not mutually exclusive. It's about activity with a purpose, and activity with, with significance, and having activity not out, of, not out of this desire and this motivation to create, your, create a self-sufficiency, but, but being active out of a place where we understand that there is one greater than us, that we are, we are serving but he is ultimately in control. And he is the one that, that, that our sustenance and our provision is dependent upon. And being okay with that. That's godly rest. If we jump back into our text, we, we see this kind of... Uh, we, well, we see it kind of play out. In verse 9 he says, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. This special rest is, is an eternal rest, but we're not just talking about death. Yes, death is, it, we won't experience the, the fullness of God's rest until we are in eternity, until you know, Jesus comes back for us or he calls your number individually. Um, that will be a full expression of this rest. But even in heaven, we mentioned before, that's, that there are things that we will be doing in heaven. We are called to, to rule and reign with him. There, there, there is going to be activity and purpose in our lives. This rest won't be completed till Jesus comes back, but it begins the second we place our faith in Jesus, not just when we die. 
When we receive God's grace, humble ourselves and admit we need a Savior like we were singing this morning and commit to follow him, we begin entering that rest at that moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. So when we, when we enter, when we become followers of Jesus, and that, that transformation happens in our hearts and our minds, and we, we step into, into being in Christ, that begins the process of entering his rest. Right? This, this is the new creation. We don't become a, a third new creation when we die. We've, we have started that eternal life the moment our hearts are, are open to Jesus and, and he comes and claims our lives. And so that new creation is one that is designed and equipped for rest. If we jump back into our text, uh, we're... we're the, the writer kind of finishes the chapter out talking about how, which is the real big question, right? This is great. Everyone sign me up. Rest. Yes. However I do that. How do we, how do we enter this rest? Verse 11, the author kind of paints us a picture. Says, so, so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as is, the people of Israel did, we will fall. So how do we do our best? That's uh, it's kind of an open-ended phrase. There, uh, it's in, I love here, the, the writer though doesn't shy away from the reality that, that this, is, this is something that we, we can fail at. We don't like to talk about that part of our faith. That there's a part we have to play to enter this rest. And there is, this is one of those paradoxical struggles, doctrines, People much, much smarter than me have been arguing about for probably since before the New Testament was even written about how this balances out between God's stubbornness and our free will, right? Um, and we're not going to get into that, that big debate or, or, or go down that, that train uh, line today. But there is a reality that, that our faith that we have to uh, choose to enter this rest. And sometimes we, we struggle with accepting that reality because we feel like we're always going to fail. Right? We, 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 and the, that fear, like we talked to, started this chapter where he talks about we ought to fear missing out. Sometimes that fear gets so big that we do unhealthy and, and, and things that actually, instead of that, that, that fear of missing out motivating us towards obedience, it pushes us away. We're, the fear is so hard to face that we get def- defensive to others or in our own heads about our actions. And we, we try and defend the, 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 our failures rather than acknowledge them. We make excuses and we, we, we minimize. We pretend. We pretend that the, the thought I had, uh, the, the thing I really wanted to say, that I managed not to, I managed to just choke back down, that I didn't really think that. Right? And I'm not, I'm not that mean a person. I wouldn't, that wouldn't cross my mind. 
pretend like everything's fine, like a like a duck paddle. You know, we make sure on the surface we, you know, we're just on a nice, nice serene lake, just quacking and looking for something to eat. But underneath, where no one can see, our legs are just. That's what it looks like, by the way, if a duck. That's how ducks swim. We pretend. And all this fear can motivate us and and drive us to to all of these unhealthy responses to the reality that we are failing in some area of our life. Which makes this next verse even more scary. And one of many of us, I'm sure, it's, it's you know, one of those verses on one hand, we, we, we love it because it's a powerful verse. On the other hand, we don't think about it too much because it's kind of, kind of scary. Verse 12, he says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than two, any two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Listen, that, that term that the, for the word of God, it's, the Greek is there is logos, right? And that gets translated, word of God, some translations use all scripture as God breathed. Maybe you, you, you've heard, heard that translation of it. Um, and on one sense, we are talking about, he is talking about scripture, but it's even bigger than that. It's talking about the embodiment of scripture. See, there's another area in the beginning of John, we have a different definition for the word logos. See, in the beginning was the word, was logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word dwelt among us. See, Jesus is the logos. Though the word, through the word, nothing stays hidden. And when we are dealing with all of this, this stuff and we, we, we realize that, that we have failed in some area or we are failing in some area, it, it gets scary. And we, we, we have a tendency to deny or hide all these things that we've been talking about. But we're, when we're confronted with this verse, it penetrates us. And it's my prayer that this morning, that this reality would sit in. There is nothing in your life that Jesus doesn't already know. Every, every sin you committed this week, every thought you thought, every action you almost did, every desire that you have to fight to, to, to keep cramped down because you know it's, it's not right. Jesus knows and sees it all. And we, it's not going to stay hidden forever. That, that light, the Bible talks about in other places how that light is going to come out, that reality, that truth is going to come out at some point. It's definitely not hidden from God. At some point, it's not going to be hidden from you or from anybody else. And we are accountable to God for all of that. And this is a terrifying thought, if we're honest with ourselves. Because 
when we really stop and, and recognize that and we, we, we see Jesus in his perfection and God and, his, and, and how, how perfect he is and then we really take a hard look at, at where we're at, there's such a gap. There's such a gap. And, and, and this verse then brings it even to, into more stark contrast. And it can be terrifying But here's the good news. It's only terrifying when we misunderstand the purpose. Jesus coming to this earth and becoming that two-edged sword was. It's scary when at the end of the day we feel the burden of fixing or eliminating our sin. It, it, It can seem hopeless when we find out how far we have to go to be like Jesus. But the good news is that's not the end of the chapter. See, the writer's point here is not to do better. This is the third week of this this series, and and it's not you are greater. The name of this series is Jesus is better, right? The point is not to do better. The point is to let all of that cause us to to run to the one who is better. Check out verse 14. So then, so so, so then, you know, it's an important little verse. So then, in, in, in light of everything we just talked about, in light of the fact that we have to obey, in light of the fact that God knows every horrible and not so horrible thing and selfish motivation, all of that stuff, in light of the fact that he knows it all and we can't live up to it, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So here we have all of this stuff, and we're so, we've all had those moments where you, 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 out of shame or or over just being overwhelmed or whatever, you you want to hide these things, you don't want to confront them. You feel like a failure. You feel like you can't. You're not making any progress in overcoming these things, even if you want to. If any of those things are going on, this is the verse for you. Because the whole point of this is not so then shape up or ship out. It's so then we have a high priest. You guys, you remember what a high priest was. The role of the high priest was simply this. To be a mediator between God and man's sinful behavior. That's what the high priest did. He went into the temple to make sacrifices to, to restore the relationship between God and man. And this is one of the central pictures that we see throughout Hebrews is that Jesus is our high priest. And not only is he high priest, he's a high priest that understands our weaknesses. He, he, there is nothing you have been been through, done, said, thought that Jesus doesn't, isn't intimately acquainted with. Not that he partook in it, but he understands it. And unlike us, his reaction to it is completely different than, than, than ours. Because he, 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 he sits in this role between God and man and, and we who would, would maybe place judgment on somebody, that's not what God does. Look at verse 16. It says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive His mercy. 
And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Listen, so much of the time we, we have these, this stuff in our life or we're just, we're just not at rest. And our goal, or we think the way it needs to work, is I need to get rid of this junk so I can come and be at rest with God. And Jesus is saying, no, you got it backwards. You come to me, and I give you mercy. And I clean that, and I get rid of that, and I remove that sin, and then you have rest. If you want to be better at obeying there's an area of disobedience in your life that you're struggling with, most of the time, I've found, at least in my own life, I, don't, I can't see victory in that until I take that thing to God and just and, and repent for it. Till I receive his mercy, I won't obtain the rest I need to overcome that thing. Because we are designed to, to, to operate out of rest, not earn the rest. And Jesus loves you too much to get that confused. And so there are times in our lives where we can't experience his rest because we're trying to earn it. And God doesn't want you to get, because that that belief will kill you. The idea that I I earned the rest that I'm given, and for a whole bunch of reasons why that's, that's bad. We don't have time to go into all that. Here's the, here's the good news. If you're tired and you need rest, you can come to Jesus and you don't have to earn that rest. If you feel dirty and guilty, you can go to Jesus and you don't have to earn that forgiveness. If you're moved by his great love for you, you can go to Jesus and you don't have to go do something to, to prove how much you love him. You can go and just enjoy his presence. This is the, this is the gospel. This is how our relationship with God works. Jesus is, is, is the high priest. That whole Old Testament um, system that, that, that existed for years and years, the primary reason for it was to just help us wrap our minds around what it was that, God, that Jesus came to do. And so I encourage us this morning. Check your own mind and heart this morning. And where, where are you not at rest? I want to just give us a minute, give you a minute to, 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 to go to Jesus with that. Maybe it's a some part that you've minimized or maybe it's a a bad habit or a sin or whatever you want to call it that, that you've been, you know you've needed to stop but haven't had success in stopping or haven't, haven't started to try to stop or whatever, whatever, however you would describe where you're at with that thing. But you know you, you would be honest enough today to recognize that it's a problem. 
would you, in, just in this quiet moment, would, would you just take a moment and, and do what the author encourages us, exhorts us to do, which is to just go to the throne of a gracious God and ask for mercy. We're not making deals. We're not saying, if you do this, I'll do that. We're not, we're not even promising. Listen, we're not even promising that we're never going to do it again. Now, that sounds weird, but the reality is God knows if you're going to do it again. And that doesn't mean he's not that doesn't mean he's not going to forgive you. Where do you need rest? In what area of your your life do you need rest this morning? It's a specific relationship, a behavior, maybe it's just a general sense of unrest because of all the craziness of, you know, what we talked about. We mentioned many of them this morning. Pandemics and wars and those things can steal our our rest. If that's the case, maybe you just need to to go before Jesus and just ask for his mercy, for for the the faith to trust in him, that, that he does have all those things in control. Whatever business you have, I just want to give you a moment right now to just talk to, talk to the Lord yourself. Jesus, we, we thank you that you are, a, you are a God that invites us to come to you. Let me do that this morning. God, we, we, we ask for your rest. God, for your purposes for our lives. We, 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 we acknowledge our, our shortcomings. We acknowledge that we have been disobedient. Lord, but your word says that we can come boldly to your throne and that we will receive mercy if we would just be honest because that's all we have to offer. God, would you, would you show us mercy? Would you, would you change our hearts? Would you change our minds? Would you change our habits? Would you transform us more today into the image of you? God, we thank you that you are living and active and that you love us so much that you won't let us even lie to ourselves, that you will you come and you split truth from falsity, that you you show us the difference between our emotions and reality, that, that you show us the difference between our, our, our bad behavior and, and the life that you want us and want to empower us to live.
That you call us to a, a better life. God, would you show us this week what it, would you give us a sense this week of what it, what it feels like to live at rest with you? We pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.